a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no Hello and welcome back to Movies for Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuyper. And I am your other co-host, Michelle Agan. And today, it's the end of the world as we know it. But I feel, I feel okay. <laughs> I feel okay too. Yeah. I feel um, okay about it. I was going to say I feel <laughs> fine, but I'm kind of like, no, I, I feel okay. Um, <laughs> it has been a wild week, a rough week for both of us. But hey, yeah. you know, it's been all right. We got to talk about Rocky and that, you know, Rocky just makes everything better. I think I I got to admit Rocky just helped a lot this week um, for me. You had a nice little marathon. I had Do a you feel marathon. More inspired I, now? I read I watched the first six right in a row and it was uh, I don't know. It kind of it kind of got me pumped up. I say, do you not feel like inspired and motivated? Absolutely, now I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna run to the top of my local museum steps and I'm gonna go, yeah, Adrian. I don't. That's not what he says. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, uh, so we're not talking about Rocky tonight. We're not talking about Rocky tonight. We're talking. Uh, we have. <laughs> I, I, I can't come up with something for this. So if this were a Wheel of Fortune <laughs> episode and category before and after, the answer would be Last Night of the Comet, which would be hilarious. Except we're doing them the other way. We are. So it <laughs> this, doesn't really work. Okay, <laughs> Michelle, this, 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 this kind of sucks. Let's try this again. Okay. <laughs> Let's cut this part out because what? that's... Uh, <laughs> Well, I was going to say that, like, we kind of put this one off a couple of times already, and I'm kind of excited to talk about these again. They were supposed to be like a New Year's or like end of the year type of thing to go along with two movies that are about the end of the world, but it's we're, it's close enough. You know, life happens, things have happened, and we're doing it now. Well, I mean, so. doing it at the end of the year coming up to all the holidays and everything it's right. just insane <laughs> Too much going on so much going on so we were just put it off we were going to do it at the end of 2021 <laughs> and then we pushed yeah. it off <laughs> and then we decided okay let's just put it at the beginning of 2023 sometimes it just feels like the world's ending anyway so let's just <laughs> go for it yeah the first one we're going to talk about would be my pick which is night of the comet from 1984. Perhaps horror's greatest year. Lots of great horror movies that came out in 1984. Okay, and then then we're going to cover my pick, uh, which was actually my top pick uh, on our Pandemic Discoveries episode way back when, uh, from 1998, Last Night. 
which, man, I still just love that movie. It was great to watch it again and go, wow, I just it was just as affecting and powerful as it was before. So it was cool. I remember watching it because of your, I'm pretty sure I watched it because, yeah, it was on your pandemic discoveries list. And I very much liked it and excited to talk about it now because I think actually both of these movies are a lot more similar than you would at first think you would be like, oh, not of the comments, the more like horror-y one and last night is the more like kind of dramatic one one. but art house yeah kind of but they actually have a really similar kind of like vibe and atmosphere where it doesn't feel like a chaotic end of the world in either one of these really no it's very it's got it's really kind of eerily calm for a lot of it you know yeah that's what i got from both of them yeah and They're very character driven in both cases Mm -hmm. as well, which is surprising, especially when you're talking about sort of a cult horror movie like Night of the Comet, Mm -hmm. you know, but it is it's got a lot of great characters in it. And that's kind of the focus we want to take with this, I think. Yeah, because I mean, it's. The, the plot stuff is, it's whatever, honestly, but um, I, I've only seen this a couple of times, really. I only really discovered it, or not discovered it, but watched it for the first time, you know, like I think five years ago, maybe. And all the stuff with like Mary Wardov and Jeffrey Lewis and the little think tank, like I had completely forgotten all of that stuff because all I remembered was, you know, how cool Sam and Reggie are. Yeah. And how much you fall in love with them. Yeah. Uh, I really only remember the parts with them in it because they're, I mean, they're the main characters, obviously, but they're also like very cool, just the kind of female heroines that, you know, you love to see in horror movies that take care of themselves and are, but are still themselves at the same time, which is what I like about both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? What, uh, you said you haven't really seen this one as much either. No, this was one that I saw um probably even more recent than you did well that's it might have actually been something that i heard about on pure cinema or something like that even mm-hmm. and they just said oh night of the comet and and then i looked and i saw the cover i was like oh yeah i remember that <laughs> and i remember looking on the back of it and seeing the motorcycle cop zombie and stuff like that so yeah. i was familiar with some of the images so when i actually watched the movie i went yeah i i, I this is this is great, yeah. One of those fun little gems, and and like I said, it's still it feels very different, even though there are zombies and uh-huh. you know like weird stuff going on in it. It still's got a very I don't know, it just has a very different tone than a lot of um, movies of the same time period. I think like some of my favorite images that I I remembered even after only seeing it once is like after the the actual night of the comet, you know, when everything is just that got that red haze yeah. to it is so creepy and it's just very quiet and yeah. it's like that um it's it's los angeles so mm-hmm. i mean it's always very weird to see like nothing happening in a big city yeah. like that you know one of the things that i thought was how on earth did this tiny budget little movie right shut <laughs> down these different parts of los angeles to be able to get these right. shots because <laughs> i mean obviously they really had to film it And I'm pretty sure they just, as far as making the sky red and everything like that, 
I think it's in camera. It's just a red filter on the camera. I'm pretty sure. Like the top half oh, really? of the camera is, cool. is covered with a red filter is what it looks like. I'm not positive about that. Nice. I could never know. But there is that sort of red haze through all of it uh, after the after the comet strikes or passes, I should say. So if you've never seen that of the comet, just basic like plot thing that we have going on here. There's like interesting narration that never comes back anytime in the movie at the very beginning that just explains everything for you which is kind of weird but also kind of nice i love the guy's voice yeah <laughs> so i don't really mind it that much they're talking about how they're they're in the tail of this comet it's uh 11 days before christmas i think right uh-huh. and and it's this is the difference or no not the difference this is another similarity that the two movies have it's it's a kind of an end of the world thing where everybody knows that it's coming but you see the difference and like people are celebrating it in night of the comet because they just think it's going to be like a cool you know light show in the sky to be you know passing through the tail of this comet yeah and i like this some of the stuff at the beginning when you have like um just you know people have oh, there's one guy holding up signs it's like it says uh, don't panic it's completely safe which right. is my favorite thing to see which you know because of that that it's obviously not going to be completely safe um and For then sure. we're introduced to the main characters um which is uh Catherine mary stewart as regina reggie belmont yeah. and kelly maroney one of my favorites um as samantha belmont yeah. Kelly Maroney of Chopping Mall and one of my favorite movies, The Zero Boys fame. <laughs> Zero Boys rules. I'm so rules. happy to yeah. see her in that. Yeah. Uh, right? <laughs> I heard about that movie because of you. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Um, so a couple people did. A lot of people. Take my recommendations sometimes. I know what I'm talking about. You do. You do. <laughs> Um, now, one of the things that's kind of fun, you know, how they set up the characters in this. Regina is a theater usher, and she's a video game player, but like a really good one. In, you know, mm. 80s Atari games, right? Ar- Arcade games, right? Um, what is, I don't know what that game is that she's playing. I should have looked that up. I, what it was I forgot called. to look. I forgot to look. The video game is called Tempest, which I've never heard of. <laughs> Tempest. It's before my time. It's not before my time. I just never really played video games <laughs> in the arcade. So, uh, but that's just me. But, you know, and then, you know, I like how Samantha is set up. She's a cheerleader. and She's mm-hmm. always wearing her cheerleading outfit, even when she's shooting that Uzi later on. Actually, it's not actually an Uzi, but <laughs> it looks like an Uzi. One of the famous lines from the movie. Yeah. Oh, so Reggie and Sam, their sisters, Reggie's 18, I guess. Sam's about 16 or whatever. And I don't know. I just really love these two girls. They are awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't know how really to to describe them without just talking about like all the different like stuff that they they say and do throughout the movie. Instead of going through the plot, we'll just maybe just go through like their, their character traits that I... I find kind of endearing and um, kind of in- inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, in a way too. Like I, I like both of them, and they're they're both very different, but they both have like good qualities that work with each other, you know, that make them like a good pair together. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were just things that sort of struck me going into this that, as you know, sort of the busyness of everything before the comet, and then after the 
strike how uh, you have just these shots of the empty streets, but then all the automatic machines are still going. Uh, it's just kind of this mm-hmm. lends this eeriness to it that I don't know. It almost gave me a maximum overdrive vibe. Except the machines don't. It does. Yeah, the machines don't yeah. come to life or anything like that. They're just continuing to function as they would function as though people were um, using them. So your traffic lights are still going and the different different things are just continuing to function. I like that uh, element of it. And just the, in, th- that would be a crazy kind of intense fear to just wake up one day. And everyone is just gone. Everyone is turned to red dust, essentially. And yeah. and, and you're at first, you have no idea why you're still there, <laughs> really, and everyone else is gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, you figure, hey, it must have something to do with the comet, but why didn't I get taken out by the comet, too? So both of their reactions to it on that morning make sense, you yeah. know? Like for like not really being able to understand what's going on, but also for their characters, because Reggie is very she's always like very on top of it. She never gets emotional much throughout the movie. Um, You know, you kind of get the feeling that, you know, she's the older one. She's always feeling like, you know, taking care of her her younger sister. You know, that's probably been something going on in their lives. And she's just always has a plan and she's always ready. I mean, that's how they were raised too. You find out like the reason why another reason why they're so cool is that they were, <laughs> you know, raised by their dad to like know how to take care of themselves, defend themselves, how to shoot guns and all that stuff. So they're not definitely not the typical girls that they seem to be from the outside or how people would probably label them, especially Sam right. being a cheerleader and everything kind yeah. of a Valley girl, you know? Sure. And so her, and then Sam's reaction is really interesting, but I, I get it too though, you know, that not wanting to believe it because right. that's, that's way too much. Yeah, yeah. And that's the difference between the two of them really is that Sam is more willing to show her emotions mm-hmm. and show how she's really feeling and not always she still has it together but she's also you know still human inside and not afraid right to to show off that too and she's also one of my favorite things about her is that even with all what we learn about their past is that she's always herself Mm -hmm. that's kind of one of my favorite things like she's always just who you would imagine her to to be before the comet was just like a fun girl that was always hanging out at the mall with her friends Mm -hmm. and going to cheerleader practice or pep squad or whatever she says it is and she doesn't deny or like try to forget her past life either like she's still like into it and like you know what i mean it's just it's it's all a part of her and it all seems to work at the same time which it really shouldn't but it does yeah yeah i mean and you know, I think that's shown probably most fully when they just say, let's just go shopping, you know? Mm-hmm, <laughs> and exactly. so they have the, the whole girls just want to have fun sequence with them in the mall or in the store, just run around. That's a little bit of a, you know, it seems like a Dawn of the Dead kind of homage, which I'm all for. And uh, so why wouldn't you want to do that when you're exactly at you got the run of the mall? Of course, you're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then you you believe that part of them. And you also believe the part where they're they're practicing their shooting. At yeah. The, the target the practice. Car, and, yeah. And she says, you know, eh. And she's, one of them it keeps jamming up and she's yeah. trying to fix. It. And she's like, that's the problem with these things. You know, daddy would have gotten us Uzis. <laughs> 
I love that. Just, line. <laughs> just looking at them, I thought they were Uzis. So you know, it shows what I know. But yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the big things. Also, just this <laughs> when um, Regina goes home, I swear that neighborhood. She's just looking around. Everything's gone. I swear that neighborhood is the same neighborhood of ET or Poltergeist. Uh, it looks. It kind of looks like it. It looks though, exactly right? like it, and. So it's like, whoa. There's there's still like fun little sister stuff yeah. that I, <laughs> I like between the two of them. Like there's one part where it almost sounds like it's an improv thing where uh, Regina is like trying to you know get it through her head and she's like shaking her and you just hear Kelly Maroney is just like, you maybe swallow my gum. Yeah. <laughs> like little stuff like that is yeah. just kind of, they're, they're so good together. I just, I love these girls so much. Like yeah. another like really cool scene is between between one that I, I don't think I've ever seen before is um, at the beginning before the comment between Sam and uh, Doris, their stepmom. Yeah. Because as much as they talk about their dad, as much as they love their dad, he's not he's not around. He's not. Around, he's not yeah. Um, yeah. And they just have to deal with their their stepmom and how they're they don't really they obviously don't like her. She's like a wicked stepmother who's mm. probably cheating on their dad. And yeah, they are very openly. All three of them are very openly hostile, you know, and the part where because um, Regina calls and asks, you know, Sam to, to lie for her so that Regina can stay in the in the theater overnight with her boyfriend. And, um, you know. Sam starts kind of giving her a lip and talking about how she's having an affair with, you know, Chuck, the neighbor, and she's got another great line. It's like, Doris, you were born with an asshole. You don't need Chuck. <laughs> like, kind of a horrible but kind of great moment at the same time as when Doris slaps her, but then Sam slaps her right back. <laughs> right. Yeah. I gotta love that. You hardly ever see. And then she, and then Doris punches her, which is like kind of brutal. Yeah, she, yeah. Like goes flying across the room. But you never see that. You. That's when. That's when you know, like, that this this girl is a little bit different. She's not really who she's you know portraying to be. Like like Regina says when she confronts like the first zombie, she's like, okay, I've been I've been trained how to take care of myself, and they are very ready to like bring that out the instant that they need to. Uh-huh. The whole time. They always have the really good instinct about them the whole time, no matter like what is going on, which is, I don't know. I love that about them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then, you know, into this whole, into that relationship walks Hector, uh, played by uh, Robert Beltran, um, which I think is a really interesting dynamic. Now, I'm embarrassed to say that at first I was like, oh, that's (laughs) okay. I thought it was Eric Estrada for some reason. But then I was like, no, of course. And then I was, I, I, I watched, I've watched a lot of Star Trek. Robert Beltran played Chakotay on Star Trek Voyager, sort of a major character. And I don't know why I was thinking that got, got him confused. I don't know why that happened, but it did until now. I looked at the name and went, oh man, oops. <laughs> so that was embarrassing, but. I don't know Star Trek. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, but I just really like Hector as a character. I I just find him, I don't know. He just kind of has this reflective sort of, I guess even melancholy kind of quality to him that, you know, I Mm -hmm. like, but he also sort of, he's not there to save them. That's not, it's not like a, the guy comes in and saves the day kind of thing happening with that character either. Uh, It's more like they are going to be able to work together 
well as a, yeah. as a trio is what it comes across to me as. But they actually split up for quite some time. You know, he goes off and he tries yeah. to find his mother. Like, this is what I put in my notes. He says he goes to find his mom, uh, much more reflective and melancholy than I remembered in that scene. And then there's a mutant kid attack just out of the blue, which <laughs> right. is just like, great. And it works really well in that as well, because it keeps things moving along. And that's one of the things that's cutting between sort of three things at once You've got Hector doing his thing. You've got the girls doing their thing. And then you have this think tank out in the desert doing their thing. Mm. You know, you were kind of learning that the effects of the comet, if they're not instantaneous, they might, they they can turn people yeah. into zombie-ish characters kind of creatures over time. So they don't really seem like zombie zombies, but it's, that's, it's a mutation. That's pretty much what they are. Yeah. It's a mutation. It's more like if you've ever seen the Omega man, the, mm. the one with Charlton Heston, that version of the last man on earth uh, or I am legend. They're kind of like that. They're not really zombies. They're not really vampires. They're sort of these mutants. Yeah. That I don't know what they do exactly. They, is it skin eating or whatever? I don't know, but <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so it's it's got, you know, a, a sort of vibe along the lines of that movie too, I think. The effects, the makeup effects are pretty cool. Like mm-hmm. the guy, people that think tank, like um, Jeffrey Lewis, there was like one point where his eyes, like yeah. they're almost kind of like sunken in they and red and thing, it's yeah. like mm-hmm. creepy looking. Yeah. Uh, Sam has a line too yeah. that... When she says the zombies, I like when she's uh, they go to the radio station, you know, thinking that the the DJ is alive and and on the air, so they they go there to find another survivor, and then Sam jumps on the radio, and she's like, you know, obviously thinking she's talking to nobody, and like she's got one of my another favorite line when she says like, "All you teenage comet zombies," which is as they say, is my new band name. Mm-hmm. If you want to join me in the teenage comet zombies, right. <laughs> And there are lots of like weird little quiet introspective like moments uh, with them and also, you know, between the characters, especially between Reggie and Hector who kind of instantly kind of get together. Sam is kind of like doing her own thing. Sure. Like she has that weird dream sequence. Yeah. Which is with the motorcycle cops, which is great. And it feels like this movie sort of, it's definitely its own thing, but it does have these sort of nods to other movies and this feels like an american werewolf in london kind of thing to me because in that movie it's like nazi werewolves but here it's again (laughs) sort of a authoritarian figure with it being the cops and just the helmets and everything sort of give it that sense too um and they're zombies (laughs) and it's I don't know. It's a, that's a <laughs> and it's like a double. It's a double dream, just too. like it is. Yeah, which you kind of wonder. You you almost kind of believe it at first when she's just driving along. You're like, it's like, oh, this that she's found a car and she's just like cruising around because there's nobody left in the world. I don't know. Uh, it seems like it could be plausible at first, but then you know she gets pulled over by the zombie cops and yeah. wakes up in the radio station, yeah. goes into the bathroom, and I guess we have to have. A scene where one of the girls takes off their clothes because she starts getting and dressed like she's gonna like have a sponge bath or something in the sink, and the the cop is there again. Yeah, and then it's Reggie and Hector kind of talking about like their backgrounds. That's where we learn all the stuff about uh, their dad, uh-huh. how they uh, he 
used to take them to what was it like this uh uh, the armed forces reserved uh, for target practice. And yeah. so they're like, oh, that's why they, they actually know what they're talking about around guns. Another great line, the, the MAC-10 submachine gun was practically designed for housewives. Right. <laughs> I just love these girls. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Well, I mean, and then, then when they show them, you know, Hector's gone off to find his family and you have the two girls in the mall together. The girls just want to have fun thing and they're trying mm-hmm. all the things and stuff. But then they show them they're being watched over yeah. and but it shows it, it, it it's the way the movie sets it up to have them. OK, they set the gun down here and the other one sets the gun down over here because they're just sort of being carefree. They're not thinking that anything's going to happen because, I mean, it's the mall. What do you what's going to happen at the mall? And everybody's dust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they're being watched. And that gunfight in the mall you realize, you know, that's another great sort of sequence where they're working together and they're right. taking on the gang kind of thing. The, the, the gang of like creepy little stock boys. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever they were that worked in the mall. Yeah. That's another thing. And the reason why I love them is like they're they are carefree and having fun. But like the second both of them recognize that there's any kind of danger, mm-hmm. like they seem to have like this connection where they both they're both on it and they know. Yep. They just that spring they gotta, right into it. Yeah. They spring right into like having a plan like already and being are able to communicate with each other without really talking because that's one because they have the sister connection and because that's how they were raised yeah and there's even like a moment where you think that that connection is going to be broken and it's just immediately like taken care of which is another thing i love when um because hector and reggie have been talking so much and getting close while sam's been off by herself Mm -hmm. you know and sam kind of has a little moment where she's like you know my sister you know who's taken you know every guy that i've ever had my eye on is now going after the last guy on the planet too like she's jealous of their their connection and then they both immediately immediately laugh it off yeah and i and i like that there's they have the little moment of of conflict because they're sisters and that's going to happen but it's also a great moment of like not letting a man or anything come between the two of them yeah because yeah. you know they're still sisters. Yeah. Yeah, and then those little, the stock boys are. That <laughs> one of them also has a lines that I like too. Even though he's a bad guy, when he says, uh, "They're just those people that will take advantage of the situation and the end of the world to like cause chaos and, and hurt people." And <laughs> but he does say like, "When when uh, is that when Reggie takes one of them hostage and he just." shoots him mm-hmm. and the guy says i'm not crazy i just don't give a fuck right <laughs> i'm like hey i'm kind of at that point too <laughs> right well i mean they do get th- this is kind of then the part where worlds collide a little bit because mm-hmm. the think tank people are looking for them they know they exist it's like where then there's this line where would adolescence with nothing to do go <laughs> Right. And then, you know, they find him in the mall, uh, obviously. Of course, they're chained to a forklift, but or chained together on a forklift, uh, you know. Um, but the fact that they come in and kind of is save there a line is, to, is Isn't there a line, too, from the Think Tank guys that it's like this whole place is like a monument to consumerism uh-huh. or something, too? So yeah, there's obviously yeah, yeah. that comment going on as well. Oh, there definitely is. Just like in Dawn of Just the Dead. Just like in Dawn right? of the Dead. And, you know, there's... If this movie really does feel like it homages a lot of other movies, but 
mm. not in a way that is like fan servicey to me. I think it's sort of under helps to underscore its point. Ultimately, is the way it works. Mm. Uh, it works pretty well. It's doing enough of its own thing. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, you know, and then the the whole thing with the think tank in there saying, "Oh, we're just gonna draw some blood. We're gonna take some tests," and they take uh, Reg off to uh, the desert. Why they agree to be split up? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. That's one of the weird things. Yeah. I don't know that that's really aligning with their characters that they would yeah. want to be split up. Yeah. So that's a little with these bit people weird. they just met. You know. Yeah. I yeah. agree, but I had forgotten this movie enough that when they give uh, Sam the shot, I thought she was dead, right? actually, <laughs> actually dead, you know? So that that really kind of threw me. I was like, wow, whoa, this this is really bleak, much more bleak than, uh-huh. I, than I remembered. And, uh, well, I mean, it is a, because in again, the world, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, right. Well, because again, they're we're, they're kind of judging her because of who they think she is. They think she's just like some dumb teenager, exactly. right? Yeah, and that she's not really worthy to go on living well, or something. I don't and know. And essentially, they want to use <laughs> the others because they think they're immune, yeah. and they're going to draw their blood to try and create some sort of inoculation against the effects of the thing, yeah. which kind of takes this into sort of pandemic type territory a little bit contagion even though it's yeah contagion yeah Uh, in this case i mean it's a lot darker they're actually essentially bleeding these people dry (laughs) so that's like yeah there's not that much blood in a human body they'll never miss it because yeah (laughs) because the, the people at the think tank were only they were exposed to like a little bit of the comets yep Someone closed whatever the fix. Someone didn't close the ventilation. Yeah, or right. Something. Yeah, right, right. And yeah, they think they have some. They don't really even have any kind of special immunity to anything. Like the reason that they all survived, Hector and Sam and Reggie, is because they were surrounded by steel. Right. They were in, they, Reggie and her boyfriend Larry. Oh, that was another great scene too. Her and Larry in the projection booth. <laughs> the Superman conversation. Yeah. <laughs> the Superman conversation. He can't see through steel. And also, yeah. well, he can't see through lead. That's lead, you nerd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the fact that she says that's lead, you nerd, like calling him a nerd is like you're the one that knew Knows that, that. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. also that um Larry was um, not renting. I guess renting out a uh, a three D version of what it it came from outer space. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. for somebody to take and like make an illegal copy of. Yeah, and that's what that's what he was doing there. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. So more fun lines. I'm sorry if you keep like quoting lines from the movie, but I had wrote a bunch of these down and he's talking to the guy on the phone that he's you know going to give the copy to. And he says like um, something about how uh, film freaks will go down on you for a print of this. And I was just kind of like, that's pretty truth. good. Truth. Yeah, <laughs> right? It's true. It's, it's true. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, when he, they wake up in the morning and uh, I don't know why I like this line so much. Like he's waiting for the guy and the guy hasn't shown up because everybody's dead and he, he tells reggie that if he, he's he leaves and he tells reggie that if the guy's guy shows up to tell him that he's very 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 pissed off 
I don't know why that made me laugh. No, that's good. (laughs) The way the guy delivers. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. And also, I'm so, I mentioned this to you the other night, but I'm still like so glad that we don't use the euphemism making it (laughs) anymore (laughs) to talk about sex, which I don't know why. I don't like that for some reason. Yeah. There's something very weird about that I do not like. It is. Let's not say making it. Sounds very procreative. You know, in that, right? in that, when you say it like that, yeah. Did you see um, the poster one of the, for a movie on the wall in the projection booth? Oh, I did, when, but uh, I can't remember Larry, what it was. When Larry is late, like right before he's killed by the zombie with that wrench, yeah. there's a poster for a movie called Red Dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's a um, that's a real movie that's got uh, Gene Harlow yeah. and Clark Gable. Yeah, I yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. There was others like there was one for I mean, you see a poster for Death Race 2000 yes, too, on one of the, the doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just always I love stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, me too. Theater marquees and movie posters are always fun to spot. Yeah, the movies. Def- definitely. <laughs> so one of the other evil things that the think tank is going to do is that they've also got these two children survivors, yep. uh, Sarah and Brian, that uh, come into the, the place. And again, there's like a lot of plot stuff going on. Um, they're trying to the scene where um, Jeffrey Lewis is Dr. Carter is trying to interrogate Reggie and she's just like giving him attitude again love her she's always like she's so calm and collected and so sure of herself like throughout this whole she must be freaking out by everything that's happened but the way that she handles herself Mm -hmm. i wish i could be more like that you know one of those things and um she's just being she's being like a stubborn pain in the butt which is like a a quality that i love because that's kind of what i have and they um they tell her that her sister is dead yeah which obviously is not a good idea because that will piss off Reggie. <laughs> when Hector comes back and he's like dressed like a cow and talking like a cowboy. <laughs> right, right. To the guard. Yeah. The guard that's outside up top. <laughs> well, I mean, even, you know, when Audrey, you know, still back in the, in, like at the theater or the radio station, mm-hmm. when she just sort of explains it all and says, you know what? Yeah, we're all infected. They're all going to be dead in 36 hours. And she just injects herself. It's just like, the stakes kind of go up a notch towards that as you're heading into the end here. Uh, so it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty intense. Um, and Hector showing up as the cowboy is one of the funniest things. I love that. This movie really could be almost, if it weren't for the zombies, maybe it's, it's very much like last night and that it's very, very serious, you know, in like what's actually, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, it takes what what happens seriously, I think. Um, yeah. But I think there's, yeah, I guess both movies have a lot of humor in them. But there's some there's some comic relief in in both of them. Yeah. But yeah, the stakes are very high. Like they've just yeah. survived a comet that supposed that supposedly would have killed yeah. anybody that got exposed to it, and now they have to. It's just, it's kind of the same old thing that always pops up though is like the the evil people or the evil, the real evil is humans again sure. like you're really going to kill like some of the last people left on the on the planet really Yeah exactly exactly well and you know I guess the, the think tank folks are infected so when they blow them up in the in the car it's kind of like well it, it's okay because they were going to be zombies anyway They were going to Yeah sure yeah <laughs> I actually I think my favorite I love, I really like the whole movie, but I love the ending. 
I love. I had forgotten about the ending. Yeah, I mean, it's even post climax. It, it's yeah. just kind of a denouement, a real mellow kind of sequence, just showing the rain coming in, washing yes. the streets, it washes away all the red dust. Yeah, yeah, this is everything's just like the reset that's going on, and exactly. you have Hector and Reggie and the kids, and it's like they've coalesced into <laughs> this family, and. Right. I love that they're just they just are waiting at the traffic uh, light because or the or the don't walk sign, and yeah, and the burden of civilization has fallen upon us. You know that's that's Reggie's line, and I yeah. I think that is really because funny. Sam's like, what are you doing? There's nobody coming. Why are you waiting at the traffic light? Yeah, because like, we've got to got to follow the rules yeah. so we got to bring that we've got to bring civilization back yeah <laughs> it's and, all on us and now. you have another one of those moments where where sam is sitting there going oh man so she's like i'm gonna be the fifth wheel in this and i don't <laughs> what what do i what do i matter at all i'm never gonna find anybody to be with and then just some guy shows up and <laughs> Because something that was irking Reggie throughout the whole beginning of the movie was that she's got all the high scores on that arcade game. But who, except for one, yeah. yeah. And then she sees other initials. She would always type in R-E-G, Rich. She was number one, two, three, four, five, six. And then all of a sudden, who is DMK? And you never find out who DMK is. Nobody knows who DMK is. Until the very last scene. I love that. The yeah. very last shot, pretty much, right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> A much. A guy pulls up another survivor that very much seems like on Sam's level. Like they pretty much uh-huh. seem like the same person. Yeah. The way that they talk, their kind of attitude about the whole situation. Yeah. And his name is Danny Mason Keener. There you go. <laughs> and you see on the license license plate says yeah. DMK. Yeah. And like, I like that there's no like something from Reggie being like, Hey, or whatever, you know, they, they just kind of leave it to you to remember that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you really kind of have to remember <laughs> all the way back to the beginning in order to, <laughs> to make that, yeah, to draw that conclusion. And then, then I love, you know, how they just show them playing football in the street, the four of them, you know, in the empty street. Mm-hmm. I think that's, it's just kind of a neat way to end the movie. And then you've got that song. I can't, what, what's the song again? It's like a really well-known song oh. and I'm blanking on it. Cut that out. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. that's that's <laughs> embarrassing. But or another great line from that guy, Danny. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> when Sam first comes up to him, and he, she's like, "Great car." And he just goes, "Thanks, I have twenty five of them." Right. Because <laughs> that's the end exactly. of the world. <laughs> exactly. You can have whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I like that this movie kind of has that mix of like the fun kind of end of the world stuff. But also being very serious mm-hmm. and having real stakes, you know, not just for the whole rest of the planet, the survivors, but for them directly from other people. Because mm-hmm. that's always seems to be the, the message with, you know, into the, like what's what's the thing about the walking dead mm-hmm. or whatever? Like who's the real like the, who's a real threat, the real threat, you know, yeah. in that world? Mm-hmm. It's the other humans. It's not yeah. the walkers. Yeah. And. My God, again, just for the, I, I love Sam and Reggie so much. They're, they're <laughs> the, the core they of They don't get movie, talked yeah. about a whole, yeah, they don't really get talked a lot about as like being some of the best heroines, but they, they truly are. I mean, come on. Yeah, they're great. Absolutely. They're right. Yeah. Super fun movie. Good fun. <laughs> okay. So, um, shifting gears, this is, I guess, 
Last Night from 1998, directed, written and directed by Don McKellar and starring. And starring. Yeah. Uh, a Canadian film. I don't know. This movie, I think knowing that Magnolia is what my favorite movie, this one just makes sense, I think, sure. um, going yeah. with that. Because, again, you have these multiple lives crossing paths and the way they intersect, you know, ultimately they intersect towards each other um, in a lot of different ways. They they are um, connected. But I think this movie just really has a lot to say about, you know, the value of living. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I think is wonderful about it is from beginning to end it's it's just <laughs> it's this weirdly funny but also it has hanging over its head the fact that every single person in this movie is going to die <laughs> there's <Yeah>. there is <laughs> no escaping the yeah. end of the world in this case the the entire world the earth itself is going to be destroyed and the implication is that the sun is going supernova. Okay. Uh, that's what I was yeah, wondering. Yeah. Um, they don't say... Spe- I, I kind of like that they don't say specifically what mm-hmm. it is. Just this, this yeah. thing where everybody knows... Everybody's known for a long time that the end of the world was coming yeah. at midnight on this day. It's coming at midnight on this day. Um, and just the different ways that people spend the last... Because it's 6 yeah. p.m. to midnight. So literally their last yeah. night and what they're going to do... Uh, I love, you know, it just starts out with uh, Don McKellar uh, playing Patrick Wheeler, laying on his floor, listening to his mess. No one answers their freaking phones in this movie, and it's hilarious. <laughs> phones are constantly ringing. <laughs> right. And nobody, and they all go to machine, every single one of them. And the message Who that he gets. on the phone? <laughs> well, the message that he gets is one of the funniest things because it's from the gas company. Saying, yeah. you know, uh, we want to thank you for your service and we want to let you know that we're going to keep the gas going for you right up to the end. I, I just find that so funny because then you, but it takes on such a different meaning later in the movie too. Yeah. Um, later we find out <laughs> that it's the person who is making all of these phone calls is uh is who david cronenberg cronenberg what <laughs> which is That's awesome. just as duncan um and i love uh-huh. that i love the how they show him doing this because this feels very david cronenberg to me it feels like how i imagine david cronenberg to be this guy sitting at his desk calling a number and using a ruler to cross off the name and then yeah. going down to the next. I don't know. Something about the precision of that just says to be right? David Cronenberg, director, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just, it's so I was thinking kind of the same funny. thing. It's so funny, though. It's funny, but it's also, sad, it's also incredibly very sad. weird and sad <laughs> yeah. and heartbreaking. Yeah. When you know, when you kind of get the idea that this is what's going on, okay, this is something that everybody has known about, so they've had time to plan for yeah. this for their last day. This is what this guy is going to do? Exactly. <laughs> on well, his last day? Like, yeah. who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. But he's he's going to do his job. He's going to fulfill his right. his work hours. It's very interesting. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's dedication, bro, I guess. Cool. <laughs> well, I mean, when we get to... Patrick 
you know, just visiting his family. I mean, they're kind of doing these crazy mundane traditions. I mean, they're celebrating Mm -hmm. Christmas, even though it's not Christmas. And it's just like, uh, and and she's, she's wrapped their their mother, because Sarah Polly plays his sister, which is fun. And she's like, yeah, she just wrapped up a bunch of old stuff from my room. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) because what's the point in getting anything new? There's nothing out there. Everything has been looted as we see. And I love how you know because before that you've got sandra O as uh as sandra uh sandra. going to the store getting a bottle of wine getting some bread getting just these few little things and while she's in there her car it's not being <laughs> stolen it's not being jacked it is being picked up by a mob of people and propped up against a light pole somehow <laughs> Yeah, somehow, like, with the hood on the ground. Yeah, I mean, it is one of the... I don't know how they did that. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. But, I mean, that's one of the things that this movie does, is it shows kind of the very best that comes out in humanity in a situation like this, Mm -hmm. and the very worst at the same time, uh, and how those interact with each other. Because they interact with each other constantly through this movie, from beginning all the way to the end. Which I find kind of interesting. Yeah, and so. one thing I kind of like about the vibe of this one, <clears throat> too, and why I f- thought it was kind of similar to Night of the Comet is that, you know, because everybody knows that this has been coming for a while, it kind of seems like a very weird, like, lull in whatever chaos probably happened before, you know? Yeah. Like, people probably, like, went a little crazy and did all the the looting and probably you know committing crimes or you know whatever whatever you do when you think that you know no, there's going to be not going to be any consequences and it's and everyone's attitude is so normal it's even like scary like especially uh Patrick's family. Yeah. The way they're just talking, like nothing is wrong except for the mom has just got, you can tell she's like fraying, but everybody yeah, else yeah. is very normal. And it's, it's and Sandra creepy. O just going shopping <laughs> it's, like it's yeah. nor- like, why is there, how is there any wine left anyway? If it's the end know, of the world, like I, I wouldn't think, I would think all the alcohol would be gone. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, there's... so like there is still some people that are, mm-hmm. like you said, like there's still some like, bad people that are just going to do whatever they want but it's most of the time it's just it's just yeah very that very creepy everything's fine sure (laughs) kind of vibe going on very very quiet very different than you would expect that that whole christmas celebration is so weird because you have these different kinds of things going on like first of all they'll they'll be saying these things that are just cutting to each other that, that are just extraordinarily cruel, <laughs> but they're just kind of putting up with it anyway. Right. And, you know, and then, um, you know, like <laughs> he talks about, oh, that's a really nice tree. Yeah, we stole it from our neighbor's yard. <laughs> just, just, just went to our neighbor's yard, cut down the tree from their yard and brought it in here. Uh, and sure. then it's like, and then he tries to throw the the wrapping paper in the fire and says you can't burn the wrapping paper and says oh is it because the fire's fake no you just can't burn the wrapping paper (laughs) i just (laughs) i just find that sort of stuff really funny so it's just hilarious how honest and obnoxious everybody is uh in in that whole sequence you know that the relationships and then they sit down to dinner and the mom just starts going <laughs> she just starts crying. Yeah. It's just what you gotta understand. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Because there's like contention between her and Patrick because you know, Patrick is, doesn't want to spend his last hours with them. He right. just wants to be like alone he, in he his apartment. He just wants to be alone in his apartment and listen to music. Which yeah. I understand. Yeah. Right. Well, he kind of changes his mind because he, by the end, he's setting it out on the roof and everything. Yeah. So that's the six o'clock hour is just kind of this, uh-huh. this thing. And then we see that uh, an important detail is Sandra O oh grabs this case out of her car. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a important thing. Um, have they introduced the people on the bus yet? Like on that trolley car yet? That's at seven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is just a weird thing right. too. That they're on this bus that's not moving and they're just waiting for it to go. And the daughter's like, let's go. <laughs> and the mother's like, no, we got to stay on the bus um, because, you know. And yeah, and Sandra gets on the bus because... Yeah, she obviously doesn't have a car. <laughs> right, anymore. yeah. Like, why, do, why do any of them think that a, a bus driver is going to be driving people around? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just like, how, how Last long... Last day. How long have you been waiting here? Oh, oh, he says he'll be back anytime. It's like, how long have you been waiting? Oh, it's been hours. Clearly, it's been yeah. hours that they've been waiting, and they're just like trusting still that he's going to come back. It's, I don't know, it's uh, fascinating. Oh, I like the stuff with uh, Duncan mm-hmm. and Donna at the yes. company. Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> this is, for some reason, it's like these two, I guess they're not not Duncan, but Donna's off, obviously, she's like a woman in her like, probably early 30s or something. So she's still working there too. And you just kind of get the feeling that she's a loner, you yeah. know, which sucks. And that's why she's she's still there but they have it was such a cute little moment when she reveals her little secret right to duncan about how she would have a drink every day at she had it hidden time, yeah. <laughs> yeah the same time every day at six o'clock and he says he's gonna fire her <laughs> or something like that right <laughs> i should fire you for this just kidding you know <laughs> and they have like a weird little laugh about it. yeah yeah there's still that weird sort of office awkwardness that's going on right <laughs> i just think that's so funny they're still being very professional as if it's a regular exactly. day at work they're still exactly. dressed like it's a regular day at work mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. well i think that there's this clinging this idea of clinging to something that's normal in the face of this impending doom is kind of profound as well it's a key element that i think is carried through here because is there is a lot of that that happens you know is the clinging to something that is familiar uh in the face of of the end here it also could be them just show it's showing like what good people they are too because they do actually have an important job like uh, the world they is do. ending like yeah. people still you know need heat and heat comfort in their homes yeah. and, mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. so they are using their last moments to help other people they think that you know what good are they really doing but it's what they they think they're doing yeah i think that's more important well it's part of his message it's part of the phone message he's leaving to everyone you know we're going to make yeah. sure your homes are heated all the way to the end we'll be here for you all the way to the end uh, what he really means, though, is my co-worker will be here to make sure the gas is still running for you all yeah. the way to the end, which comes back in a very interesting way. One that's related to a character we're introduced to right at the beginning of the seven o'clock hour, and that is Craig, <laughs> uh, who Craig. gets Craig. <laughs> 
mixed feelings about Craig, but you know, he's, Craig is interesting. He's an interesting guy, but I kind of get it. You know, I gotta say, I kind of get it. Um, he, the first thing that happens. Okay. So he gets a knock at the door. He answers the door and it's this young woman, nothing particularly extravagant about her. She's just, she is a young black woman and that is kind of an important thing element here that's what she says yeah yeah so so he so you're like what yeah so he sees he kind of he kind of hides the kitchen he closes the door to his kitchen and he says all right you know come over onto the bed and he says to her yeah and they're gonna they're gonna have sex right and he says i'm not doing this because you're black and she says yes you are you don't have to lie (laughs) Is this? I just really wanted to have an <laughs> orgasm today, and so I, I kind of dig that honesty in that moment. And so, right? and so they they play that song. <laughs> it's that same song. Every, yeah, he plays the same song. Plays every the same song. Time. And I, yeah, and uh, oh man, it's Craig's so thing. If you're not getting it, yet, yeah. he's trying to live out like all of his whatever sexual fantasies, fantasies that he wants to experience. He has. He just wants to have multiple sexual experiences with all kinds of yeah. different uh, women, men, threesomes, indoors, outdoors, etc. Um, all those places, all those kinds of things. The actual revelation of that is is a little bit later, but you kind of pick up on it earlier than that. Yeah. And that's sort of like the main focus of that seven o'clock hour is this is Craig. He wants to have sex with everybody. Um, <laughs> dude's got some stamina, too, because he good God does. Yeah. He's got him lined up right up until the end. <laughs> yeah. Eight o'clock is when some of the worlds collide. That's right. So we have uh, Patrick meets Sandra. Uh, outside his apartment she is trying to get home to her husband that's what we've we discover she's she's trying to get home to her husband she doesn't say why yet though right as i recall Uh, i don't think so yeah she saves that for later but then it cuts Mm -hmm. to duncan driving home and there's a riot going on in the street outside and he hears the phone ring and ah damn cell phones Again, no one answering their phone. She just she's yeah. trying to call her husband. We this is our first clue that her husband is in fact Duncan, played by Duncan. played by David Cronenberg. Okay, so I think that is the you know these strands when they come together, you know, as they start to pull tighter, they just get really mm-hmm. profound by the end. When you just kind of see how all that works out. Nine p.m. We're back with Craig. He wants to. <laughs> <laughs> He wants to have sex with his with his teacher, his crush, that's, his that's former a, teacher, yeah, that's his the part crush. I remembered the most. His crush. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Doesn't he want to have sex with one of his teachers? Like, yeah. yep. And this is where it starts to get a little weird too, because it's nine p.m. and it's still light outside. Yes, exactly. Still, like it's still bright, like noon time, but it's nine p.m. It stays that way the whole time. Yeah, and I think I I think I noticed it for the first time when it said 10 p.m. and it was just as bright as it was, uh, you know, at six. And I thought, oh, oh, <laughs> okay, you know, it's like it should be dark now. The, the conversation that Craig has with this former teacher of his, I also find really funny. <laughs> There's and that's one of the things about this movie is these conversations are so mundane but they're really hilarious. Like it says, mm-hmm. I, I wanted you to know I saw your stepmother and she in, has invited you to your to 
her prayer circle. <laughs> right. Says, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go to that. And she says, but I suppose you have your own way of worship, <laughs> your own form of worship. Um, and uh, yeah. He well, does. yeah, even when Sandra and Patrick uh, go up to his apartment so she can use his phone and yeah. they um, they have that conversation about Pete Seeger. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. Oh, he, he's, <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he wrote, we, well, he didn't write it, but he popularized We Shall Overcome and he sang Big Muddy. Uh, he got Bob okay. Dylan famous, all sorts of things. Yeah. Even with those conversations like that, something I, I remember kind of thinking the whole time I was watching this movie is like, you're wasting time. You're all wasting time, you know, like mm-hmm. talking about these things and not really, I don't know, like you only got a few hours left. And it just, even though I, I get if they were, I get what you said about them, like trying to hold on to a sense of normalcy and yeah. the way things used to be. I, I get that. But as I also was like, how is nobody like feeling the urgency? Like they were yeah. so calm and that just, I don't know. But at the same time, <laughs> that's what time, I would be thinking the whole time is like, I, you're wasting time talking about mm-hmm. Pete Seeger and mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff that doesn't really matter. You need to, I don't know. Can't, but can you really cram every a whole lifetime into one night? Yeah. Obviously you can't. So. And I think that's also kind of part of the point of the movie. Yeah. Is the idea that these people know that their end is near and they're still wasting time. However, mm-hmm. we who don't know when our end will be, how much time do we spend wasting? Because <laughs> sure. there, there really is that sense of how many of us just let... At various times, anyway, at least, you know, life just kind of be filled by mundanities that scrolling on the just, internet or, yeah. or whatever things that don't matter, you know, arguing about that. And they're not arguing, but I mean, about Pete Seeger or, or, or uh-huh. you know, whatever it is, you know, if you go on whatever this, you know, the Razzies were the big discussion, I guess, on Twitter today, I spent about two minutes and saw about. <laughs> 17 posts on on the Razzies today and how they're terrible and it's like well they are terrible but everybody already freaking knows that you move on with your yeah. life yeah um so <laughs> anyway that's uh, that's just something that that's, was just like my kind of anxiety no, I I get you, the whole I get time it. you know what I mean <laughs> but I think that's like I said I think that's part of the point of the movie is to um for us to be thinking to ourselves this is their last night and this is how they're spending it? <laughs> you know? I think there's a sense of that in this movie. And I like the conversation about um, about Duncan and Sandra. Yeah. And she kind of tells Patrick about their relationship. They met, like, after, I guess, after they already knew that yep. the world was going to end. And yep. They've only been married for about two months. Yep. She says it's the best relationship she's ever had. <laughs> I found that very sweet. <laughs> and I think it's funny because, you know, they're walking down the street. They're looking for a car to steal because who cares, yeah. right? Uh, again, you know, she's they get into the car and he's trying to hotwire it, even though he doesn't know how to hotwire the car. And she says, um, and I'm pregnant. Some people might say that it's irresponsible, but it's like, I just wanted to know that I could do it. And I thought that was, I don't know, there's something about that that's really kind of profound and moving mm-hmm. too. But it's coupled with this this heavily serious thing coupled with this with him you know fumbling around like you know he's MacGyver trying to figure out how to hotwire the car and he doesn't have a clue. I I, I just love Sandra those sorts o. of juxtapositions. It's so great. 
<laughs> and Sandra Oh is just so good at just having that face. Yeah. I don't know. Something about like the way that she can deliver a line and like raise an eyebrow. She's freaking hilarious. I she really Sandra is. <laughs> yeah. She's got this like very deadpan type of humor. When you- and this is a, you know, pretty relatively early performance for her. Um, this is, you know, before Grey's Anatomy. This is before Sideways uh, even. So it's just, she's just, you know, displaying these comic chops and just these acting chops you know you know at this stage in her career and it's it's so mm. she's so great in it she's really fantastic she's one of those great comedians and really good at the dramatic stuff too at yeah the same time yeah you know. I, I love this whole thing how they run into their into his friend <laughs> the guy with the unfortunate name <laughs> menzies yeah <laughs> menzies <laughs> Uh, it's like, I'm going to finally have my recital, you know, and yeah, it's going to be in this important music hall <laughs> that we finally were able to afford it. <laughs> they were afford because no one's going to be there, obviously. And right. um, uh, it's going to be at 11, which I think is is interesting, okay. too, because we know that this is how this he is going to be spending his last moments performing this recital doing what he loves exactly exactly and when they bring that back later it's just so kind of beautiful is because he's actually good Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know he's actually Mm -hmm. really really talented and you just because normally you it's like in um i think before before sunrise the first one i think where they are invited to go see this play Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> about the cow or something like that and there's like yeah it's like they yeah. and they actually go and of course no one else goes it, it just it reminded me a little bit of that in some ways but it, it's just and kind the of guy kind of looks like a dork he's yeah. got like glasses and stringy hair and yeah. so you're kind of led to believe that this is weird like fantasy that he has like he actually sucks or something right right sure. that's kind of the vibe you get um, but I just, I don't know. And with a name like Menzies. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It's really funny. But then um, they go to Craig's to see if they can get his car. More worlds collide. More worlds collide. Patrick. Patrick and, and Craig, Craig are, are close friends. Yeah. And this is where she she tells Patrick, Sandra tells Patrick what her plans are. Yeah. And I just wrote down the quote because I thought this was... Just kind of the way it's presented is really interesting because she says it so matter-of-factly. She says, my husband and I are going to commit suicide. We're going to kill each other at midnight. And his response is, I guess you must really love him then. And that's just, I don't know. There's something about the way that is that is presented in the movie that's, I don't know. It sets up a line of suspense because you care about these people. You know that it's not, yes, they, they it's, it's them going out on their own terms rather than having things taken from them by the whatever's happening with the sun. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, this is something about that is surprisingly moving to me. I, I don't really know how to describe it. Well, (laughs) no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you you get it, but you also don't want them. Exactly. You don't want them to do that. You know? Yeah. The way it plays out in the movie is ultimately pretty perfect, though. It is. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> 10 p.m. 10 p.m. I love that Craig still doesn't want to loan his car because 
I wanted to. I know. <laughs> and he says, I wanted to die a man with three cars, I think is one of the funniest lines that, you know, because I mean, the whole you can't take it with you thing is so right. funny. And I think that a lot of those lines just work so well because they're because they are kind of absurd. You know, you see the absurdity mm-hmm. of it all uh, when it's put in this context. So. Uh, just that so much of this movie feels so absurd yeah 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 it's just grasping at materialism still uh even (laughs) two hours from the end and he's got his own thing going on he doesn't need a car he doesn't need a car he's 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 got a line of women that are they're all coming over because (laughs) this is one of my favorite lines they all want to go out with a bang bang (laughs) (laughs) which is great line that's when Craig shows Patrick his kitchen. If you the serial killer, it's a serial. It totally looks like that. But type room. Yeah, yeah. And he's pointing at all the things. Yeah, he's clearly spent months writing out on the walls and everywhere yeah. about every single one of his sexual fantasy. Yeah. He has yeah. a lot. Yep. <laughs> he he's he he quit his he quit his job and has devoted all of his time. In the past, what, few weeks at least, I think. Few, yeah. Yeah, to checking off everything on this list that he can. There's so. no way he could have got through yeah. all of it. There's way too much. There's no way. Yeah. Well, there's, a, there's and then, of course, there's the line that he gives. He's got a couple of good lines. Uh, if you got to go, you might as well be coming. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so. Again. The guy has stamina. He, he does. <laughs> he says he's been going for. He says he's been going like this for the last month or so. Yeah, it's like, man, I don't, I don't, gotta be in good shape to pull that off. <sighs> anyway, right. and, and you know that sort of interesting scene where he's like, you know, Patrick, you and I have been friends for <laughs> a long time, and just kind of wondered if you wanted to, <laughs> you know, ask him. He propositions him. It's not going to take that long. <laughs> it's one of the things he says. And Patrick's re- answer is interesting. He's like, I love, I love the the way this plays out, though. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic because he just says because it's not any kind of like gay panic. No, thing it's not. It's he's not because he's just like, nah, man. <laughs> no, no. And, and his nah. his answer is, I just don't want to yeah. risk having bad sex today. <laughs> that's right so that's he's because right. like yeah. what if i'm not what if i'm not any good you know i think is ultimately what he uh that's what right. his issue is and they're both just like cool cool all right well i put it out there yeah no not, not a big deal i love that i, I love the way that played out and and, funny. and their final greeting is see ya no you won't and, and oh it's my just God. It's, that kind of kills that really killed me sad so bad. it's really sad it's so sad yeah because these are guys are real friends um so mm-hmm. uh sandra has been given his car she's driving home what is it like a green patrick walks home yeah it's like a muscle like, car cool. it's a really nice car yeah um i love the radio announcer it's like we're playing the top 500 recording uh the top 500 of all time according to me so don't bother calling in <laughs> <laughs> it's great it's great kind of like a sam with the radio station yeah i'm just gonna say whatever i want exactly (laughs) exactly well i mean when the car is in charge here car gets you know it gets caught in the traffic jam the car gets kind of attacked and you just that's where you see that sort of worst of people situation you know like this sort of 
gangs, just these people that are being just a bit kind of malicious as to harass people. Yeah. But then I, but at the same time, you also have the lady, I forgot to mention her, the lady who's like running up and down the streets. Yes. <laughs> two hours left, two hours left. I love her. She's like a superhero, um, the way she's dressed. But then the guy comes out with the shovel and just, <laughs> and it's, it's a uh, Patrick's sister's boyfriend. Yeah. Patrick's you know, sister yeah, is there. Yeah. More worlds colliding. More worlds colliding. Um, and it just like hits the guy. She doesn't want to party, okay? <laughs> so I love uh, love it. I love it. Just they, they are out to like, yeah, those kind of punks are out to mm-hmm. like harass people. But they also, I don't know, they also are kind of weird about it too because they don't really seem like they're really out to hurt anybody it's like i don't know because they're they're if they they could have if they yeah they really wanted to you know it seems like they just don't know what else to do yeah or they're they've been lashing out and like this is their last gasp and they just don't really have it in them anymore i don't know i got a weird kind of vibe from them too there's a couple of things that go on here because um okay so you have and one of the things they do like i said the sort of best and worst of humanity you know, and then also sort of like the important and the frivolous all happening at the same time, mm-hmm. like because they have that newscast and it says of all the what all the different people are going is talking about rioting. Then it cuts and there's, you know, the guitar jam of everyone learning how to play taking care of business. And then it talks about shootings and there's almost like this the purge in one sense. But then you also have the end of the world party going on at the same time. And then you have these intimate moments happening and then you have these big gatherings happening. All of these things kind of at the same time going on. And this is where uh, Duncan, he answers the door thinking it's Sandra and some punk with a shotgun comes into his house because hey you you look it's sort of a you're you're looking at me funny kind of thing yeah um just he just he's like if he had not answered the door this wouldn't have happened and they don't show it at that moment you don't see it yeah. yeah but you don't see it right away yeah but he gets just shot he gets randomly shot then we go to 11 p.m and this is <laughs> i have actually like a lot written down for the last section of this well, the first thing we see is Menzies performing in that mostly empty hall. And again, he's like really good. And you have those. This is one of the things about this movie. Even the peripheral characters like him and like Mrs. Carlton, who was the teacher that the French, the French, the teacher. French teacher that that uh, Craig had sex with. Uh, she comes in and sits down in, in the hall and just the expression that she has just listening to him play is just a wonderful moment. And, you know, you can tell everyone there's so much sweat in this movie. You can tell it's hot. Uh, So there's everyone just feels, it feels like everyone is just kind of melting almost under the heat of the day. And, but the impending doom as well. uh, It's really, I don't know. I I just really think that's a powerful moment. And it's kind of a moment of connection between these people that, probably didn't know each other in any real way either then we see patrick setting up his chair and speakers on the roof which i think that that would be that'd be nice be outside listening to some music (laughs) when the end arrives and then sandra comes to his apartment and is back Yeah. yeah and she's like i can't reach my husband um did he call uh because she left the number earlier 
And then just that moment of her listening to the message from the gas company guy, who is obviously mm-hmm. her husband. This is where we are. It is confirmed that that's her husband. And she's just listening to this message, this generic message um, that he was giving to everyone. And then I know I feel like I'm going plot by plot point here, but he asked her to stay. He says, we made a connection and I want you to stay. And she says, okay, but I want you to shoot me. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to let the world, this world take my life. (sighs) Gosh. So (laughs) it's, it's crazy. And I love I like the conversation that they they have here yeah. and the, the way that they word it like, you know, because it's the last hour and uh, the, I don't know, just the way the way what she says to him is like, you know, tell me things to know you to make me love you. Tell me your tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I want to I want to I want to have I, I don't have my husband with me. I need that last connection mm-hmm. with somebody, you know, wanting to cling on to humanity. Well, as long as possible. And then, you know, Patrick reveals about his wife. She died. And then they said the world would end. I mean, talk about profound <laughs> that moment. Right. I mean, that, that, <laughs> mm. And then you can uh, while all this is going on, you can hear this cheering going on outside, just getting louder and louder. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, intercut into that. People are like counting down. People are doing this countdown. Like excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like they're weird. counting down, you know, the ball dropping on New Year's Eve. It's it's right. really wild. But I also like how they have, as Patrick's grandma and like an aunt or something like that, I think, yeah. they're watching the home movies. She says something like, people talk about what a tragedy this is for the young. And she says, and she's basically like, fuck them. <laughs> I invested 80 years in this life. The children don't yeah. even know what they're missing. And I think that is... Because so often we think, oh, the old per- people, they've lived their life. They're done. And sure. and I, I think that is, there's some really, there's some things you kind of feel it the more you watch it. and it gives you more to think about. It really, there's yeah. a lot to chew on um, by the end of this movie. Now, I love that whole thing. After that whole spiel from the gas company that Duncan was giving, we see the, the fire in the in the fireplace the gas fireplace go out and it cuts to the console the woman you know donna donna's okay it cuts to donna's console and it's beeping because the gas is being cut off and you see on her computer screen the personal ad for craig so um that's how he's been getting all these (laughs) yeah on the interwebs yes uh he's sending all these personal ads out and I just think that's so funny because she's she's a virgin. Uh, we discover she's a virgin, and it's it's that it's, and it's such that, a kind of a sweet moment between the two of them because she's wondering, she's like, you know, like, am I good enough? Right. You know, is that okay? Like to be your their last one, pretty much. And he's just like, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, you're perfect. I love that. There's like no judgment There's, or anything. Exactly. And he can't perform <laughs> at first. It's like, you know, it's, it's, no, because he's been it's playing like, a lot of sex lately. It's like, it's been a busy day, I think is what he says. Right. And, um, yeah. but then he, he fulfills too, because he gets the virgin and the simultaneous orgasm. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, that, that's sort of the, the moment he, can, having, having a, having a simultaneous orgasm at the moment the world ends. There are worse <laughs> ways to go, I gotta say, you know. Sure. Um, 
San- and on her first time, see, that doesn't right. happen. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, he's... Well, and there's some interesting things here, like, so, you know, it's the biggest thing that's ever happened ever in the history of the world, and we're going to be there. You know, that's an interesting perspective, because no one was there sure. at the beginning, but we're going to be there. We're part of this select group of humanity that is going to be there at the end. At the end. Huh. Sort of positive way of looking at yeah. it, I guess. Yeah. Now, for me, just this last moment here, mm-hmm. I... <laughs> It's hard for me to put into words how exactly this makes me feel because it is so incredibly moving to me because you have Sandra and Patrick holding the guns up to each other's heads and she's saying, you know, wait till the last second. And he asks her, well, how will I know? And she says, oh, you'll know. And it just holds on them and you can hear the countdown happening and it's cutting to all the yep. people and the different places and, and you know that, that what's going to happen. And then at the last second, they just take their, they put their guns down and instead they kiss and they embrace that last moment and before, and then just everything goes white and it's over. Mm. I think that is, for me, that just expresses this idea that every moment of life is precious and you know an opportunity for love for for something you know there's it's it's just so i don't know i just find that it's it's something that i feel more than i can express you know right when i watch that ending i even i told you that my note for that for that moment was like i don't think that they kiss each other because they've fallen in love with each other necessarily they've only known each other for a few hours they've done the best they can to to get to know each other you know to have that connection but yeah i don't think that that kiss was anything about really the two of them it kind of just felt like i don't know it was, it was, it was like a dumb note that were down it was like it's not out of love it, it was it's for, for humanity yeah you know? yeah <laughs> or like to, to go out with love and not with whatever chaos yeah. they endured the rest of the day or whatever these weirdo people are doing counting down like they're excited exactly. that the end of the world is coming yeah go out with like a real emotion and a real reminder of what humanity was yeah Maybe. And when I say a moment for love, I mean that in the broad, in the most profound sense. Right. You know, yeah, I yeah. don't mean it in, in just a simple, simply a, we, did, we only have the one word. I mean, the Greeks had several, you know, <laughs> several words <laughs> to express the different aspects of, of love. And I think that is, yeah. um, it's just an indescribable moment to me. It's something that there's a reason why it's on film and not in a book, you know, it's something to be shown. And man, it's so, so moving to me. And I think that moment, because the first time I saw it, I was like, I was really nervous that they were going to shoot each other. I, I, I remember yeah. my heart just like pounding in that moment. It's like, no, don't. I know it's going to end anyway, it, but, you know. Yeah. You know, but. <laughs> you still don't want them but, to. But Again, you just, yeah. You, so that moment when the, when the guns just sort of fall and they just sort of fall into each other, it's just, it's, it's incredible and the time is either wrong or the like time has slowed down or it's a little off because they count down they're at like three i think is the last one you hear and then it's like it's a little bit more than like two more seconds you know before it's fade to white you know yeah 
So it kind of feels like their last moment was stretched, stretched out just a little out. bit for the for the two of them, yeah. <laughs> maybe in a way. Yeah, and I think because there's also oh we didn't even mention they they do actually show what happened to Duncan. There was just like that one shot, quick just, shot, yeah, of ah, him of him. Such a quick shot mm-hmm. just kills you, like of him on the from above of him laying on the ground. Mm-hmm. There's just a pool of blood yeah. by his head, yeah. and it kind of gives you the thought of like again, yes, I know that the world is ending, but I also don't want you to do this to each other. I don't want right. you to go out like that yeah you know exactly yeah and and just this idea of yes in this movie the world is ending but the world is always ending for for each of us in some way way, we're we're on a we're on a collision course with an end no matter what so i think there's the sense of what are you going to do even though you know with that knowledge now I don't know. I find that very moving and thought provoking. And uh, it's, there's a reason why this movie touched me so much and it became a favorite so instantaneously for me is because I don't know. I like I like that kind of stuff. I, I like to be reminded, I guess, not faced with my own mortality, but I mean, reminded of it, I think, is probably a better word. Sure. That it's important to... Because it's one of those yeah. things that you know you should think about, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're kind of getting up there in yeah. age, yeah. <laughs> approaching midlife. But you also just really don't want to. And that's why I think a movie like this, because I really... I Like I said, I watched it on your recommendation, and it kind of touched me, too, because it was definitely different than a lot of other, like I said, end-of-the-world movies yeah. they had seen before. Just that it had a very weird kind of vibe and atmosphere to it that I wasn't expecting. Just so the, the mundanity, the mundanity yeah. of what how they were acting. So that also makes you kind of introspective. It's like, well, how, how long can we hang on to that mundanity? Like, we need to... I don't know, like, we got we to do something to, to make our lives worth it while we're here. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so many um, end of the world or apocalypse or post-apocalypse movies are, are action movies or horror movies. Sure. Yeah. You know, not very many movies are human naturalistic character pieces, you know. Uh, sure. <laughs> they, there just aren't a lot of them. I mean, obviously, this movie has a influence of, you know, like, Robert Altman in it and the intertwining story, you know, something like Nashville or shortcuts Mm is definitely related to a film like this. And, you know, so is Magnolia and Boogie Nights. I really latch on to movies like these and yeah, it was nice to revisit this one as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good discovery. Yeah. I had heard of it. I had seen the cover a lot, but I wasn't really sure what it was, but I heard it mentioned on, a podcast and I thought that sounds interesting so I'm going to be sure to check that one out and I'm glad I tracked it down <laughs> and it really doesn't have that great of a cover either it's like no a, it's that just that weird, newspaper like, yeah 90 yeah. yeah that weird like 90s mm-hmm. you know, d- no, no, digitized like look of it it was like this doesn't look like it looks kind of cheap and like yeah. not that great it's definitely it was definitely a surprise yeah okay I don't know if you came up with a recommendation or not no, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I forgot all about it. <laughs> you said you had one. I was curious what it was because it, you said you decided on one that was not what you Yeah, well, originally said it was at first. Originally I was like, okay, you know, I the one that I hear in conversation with this movie is Strange Days, the Caf- the Catherine Bigelow movie uh, with Ray Fiennes and um Which I have not seen. Yeah, and I I watched part of it 
and it was just so much. I mean, it's it's completely the opposite of this movie. It's kinetic and action filled, and it just it's not that it was bad. It just wasn't at all something that goes with this movie in any way, shape, or form that I, I could really connect with. So weirdly, the one that sort of this isn't really a recommendation because I think everyone's seen this movie, but okay. <laughs> it it's well not everybody, but just the vibe of it somehow really kind of goes with both. Uh, I think part of what made me think of this was in in last night there are all these sort of groups of people that sort of look like gangs and stuff like that, and so the movie that I watched after this that really vibed and gelled with it was the warriors. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was just like Walter Hill's the warriors and something about huh? the feeling of it just really works. I mean, the very different movies it's, I mean, that's a more of an action movie. That's not an end of the world. It's movie, not yeah. an end of the world movie, <laughs> but it does have sort of an apocalyptic vibe to it. It's um, a kind of an alternate yeah, timeline yeah, type of movie too. Like it, it is. It could be taking place now or it could be taking place like in a different, uh, an, yeah, an alternate time. Yeah. I mean, I know it's related to like Romans and stuff like that, like Roman gangs and stuff like that, which I thought was really interesting. Um, the vibe just gelled for me between the two movies. I'd, I can't explain it really, except it just was Well, there is cool. kind of a... I'm seeing there is like a journey that's happening uh-huh. with, you know, yep. Sandra, uh-huh. you know, trying to get to Duncan yep. and the warriors are trying to get home yep. to Coney Island. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of <laughs> things like that. It was just sort of like, huh, it just felt right. You know, something about it just felt right. So that was the. I like that. So that's good. So that's kind of a interesting double. And I actually watched it that way, more or less. I, I, uh, it was a. Not one right after the other, but they were paired within a couple of days of each other. So, and if you haven't seen the Warriors, you got to see the Warriors. I mean, come on. And if you can see the original cut, which is what's on Hulu and and on Paramount Plus, I recommend going that route. Okay, Uh, because I didn't. Okay, I saw it the the bad way apparently because that's what's on the Blu-ray. It's the director. I didn't mind it. Right, with the comic stuff, which I don't know. And I've never seen it that way. I've never seen it that way, but you've never seen it the theatrical cut way. So, you know. um, It's really not even really that much of it. That's what I've heard, too. (laughs) What people don't like, so it didn't bother me at all. Well, and I think you also didn't experience it the other way, either. So, you know, there's probably... I, that was another one that I saw way, way late. Like Oh, me too. I just saw it for the first ago. time this yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah. Do you not love that the end of that movie, though, when they're all home on the beach and it's great. the eagle in the city yeah. place? Oh, perfect. Yeah. I love that. That made me cry. I remember the first time I was kind of like, that's, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of good movies. Um, thanks for bearing with us on this episode. We're both <laughs> just kind of exhausted. We've had some really... Uh, trying weeks uh, these past couple weeks here. Sure. So um, this maybe isn't our best, but we did the best we could yeah. for right now. Yeah. So <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the episode. And um, real quick, we have something coming up next week, don't we? Or next time. We have a really, really fun. I think this is going to be like one of those where we're just going to be laughing and saying lines yeah. or something the whole time with both of these movies. Yes. 
because they are freaking hilarious and fun and both actually very recent favorites for for both of us but yeah i love that the paired up together so yeah. the kind of theme that we're going with we're gonna there's gonna be two of these so we're gonna do like buddy movies which we kind of had i think at first we were just gonna do buddy movies and then i thought okay why don't we split it up we'll do male buddy movies and then we'll do female buddy movies so we're gonna do that one first so who goes first? Who says who says their movie first? <laughs> okay. I think we're probably going to end up going with doing mine first. Okay. So, so my pick, I don't know if this really fits too well, but I don't really care. Um, this is a movie that I love dearly and I really want to talk about it. And we actually already have talked about it in a lost episode of the show that will probably never be heard when we were it was a trial kind of episode. Practicing. it was a practice yeah. episode <laughs> it was a practice run of like what we thought the show was going to be like i would i'm pretty sure we would probably cringe to go back yeah and yeah i do not want to listen to that because <laughs> like you said we barely this is when we barely knew each other we didn't know what we were doing yeah. or what kind of vibe we were going with yeah. for the show yeah i think this is a much better time to do it uh we're going to talk about from 2018 a simple favor and pairing with that one of my favorite movies of last year of 2021 so two years ago 2021 we're already in 2023 yeah. can you believe it we're in 2023 yeah. <laughs> and that is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about that movie. I know. Oh. And then I got to say, I, I had forgotten what our double was for the men. And that is like inspired. That is a that is on another level. That one. I forgot what it was too. Oh, when you see it, you will. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay, yeah. That that's uh <laughs> that is Schlockenaw Lindsay Wilkins worthy. Absolutely. Uh, she will be very proud of that. She will us, be proud of that one, I think. Okay. But coming up <laughs> next time, we've got Simple Favor, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. That one's gonna be a lot of fun to do. Um I'm very excited to check that uh, to watch both of those again and discuss those again. Um so you can find the show online. Uh, don't worry about finding us. Uh, if you want to go for it, but, uh, if you want to find the show, you can find it on Twitter and on Instagram at movie life pod. And, um, we've kind of got a big bump in Twitter followers over the past couple weeks. Cool. Um, so we're going to maybe see if we can get to a thousand in the next few months here. We'll see how it goes. Um, so give us a follow there. If you'd like, uh, follow us on Instagram as well. All right. So. We will do what, Michelle? We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.